Hi, and welcome to a podcast from Hope Springs Church Coventry. For more, please find us on Facebook at Hope Springs Church or on Twitter, we're at Hope Springs Cobb. Thank you and enjoy. So, we're going to carry on with our series called uh, We See Jesus, and it's, look, it's the idea of um, looking unto Jesus and, and, and having him be the thing that we fix our eyes on, that we engage on. So, we just want to turn to our kind of key scripture, which is Hebrews 2, verse 8. So, Hebrews 2, verse 8. It says this in Hebrews 2 verse 8. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. It's talking about God and Jesus and everything's been put under his feet. And it can use, for in that he put all in subjection under him. He left nothing that is not put under him. But now we do not yet see all things put under him, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honour, that he, by the grace of God might taste death for everyone. I'm going to just read that again. So for part on verse 8, for in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing. He left nothing. So nothing at all. Nothing that is not put under him. But now, in this very moment, we do not yet see all things put under him, but we do see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honour, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. And we live in a time that it's complicated. It, it, the, I was just thinking through this again. I was thinking, what's the best way to describe it? I think it's complicated. The, the, the times we live in are complicated. It's like, what does this mean? What's happening here? What's going on there? It feels like stuff changes all the time. Um, to try and understand political stuff, to try and understand social changes, to try and understand environmental changes. There's just so much that is happening right now um that it can be confusing it can be complicated and sometimes i think it's almost a bit like we look at it all and we go how on earth do we do anything about all of that and if i wanted to do anything about that where on earth do i start do i become a kind of climate change activist and go and glue myself to the road do i kind of go and protest against donald trump do i kind of go and start a new political party something to do with brexit in the name or whatever it may be what do i do because it's that kind of time it's almost overwhelming And and it comes in the same time of the fact that same kind of age where we have this information age where everything is available to us all the time everything constantly so we're bombarded again and again and again and again with information with, with with stuff and i think it makes it very very easy like it says here but now we do not yet see all things under him it becomes very very easy for me to t- open my phone and go look there's something that's not there's something that's not there's something that's not and it's very easy to look at that and go that does not look like heaven on earth that does not look like heaven on earth that doesn't like either and it's very easy to see that side of it and therefore becomes even more important with the next verse when it says but we see jesus that in this time of information in this time of news in this time of everything at an instant and we know what's going on in the world in every point of the world and therefore um every news story every article the amount of things that that create and instill fear or just confusion or just apathy because just like i don't know what to do i don't know where to go how do i even make a difference in the world all those things can sometimes cause us to go and just come back and go i I, I can control this i can control me and my and this little 
island that I create. And whilst there's nothing wrong with that, Jesus is calling us to to see him. And therefore that causes us to go beyond just controlling this. And actually, amongst all this craziness, all this chaos, I see you, Jesus. And therefore, it's so important that, that we do that. And therefore, for me, why it's so important that God is leading us this way in terms of what he's showing us and what he's guiding us and the Holy Spirit illuminates into us. So obviously, we know, and amongst all this stuff, amongst how we feel and what's going on in the world and just all the, the things that happen... This is not talking about, in Hebrews, he's not talking about seeing Jesus physically, because they weren't around. When this was written, Jesus was not present. He's not saying, right, all this stuff's going on, let's go and find where Jesus is right now and just look at him. That's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about going, okay, let's go to his house, um, number 26, Heaven Road, or whatever it might be, okay? <laughs> Knock on the door and just have a little look at Jesus and everything will seem fine after that. That's not what he's on, on about. He's not on about physically seeing him. And therefore, what is he talking about? He's talking about... Not seeing a picture and going, okay, I'll oh, look at that, that image of Jesus and that wonderful. I now feel good about myself because I've seen a picture of Jesus with a little halo on his head and like light glowing from him, whatever it may be. Or I can just imagine what he looked like with his cloak on and how he was just praying for the sick, whatever it may be. Nothing wrong necessarily in parts of that. But what it's talking about is it's seeing him, seeing who he is, seeing his character, seeing the, his heart, seeing the way that he is the way that he interacts, the way that he addresses, the way that he deals with people, his passions, the things he loves, the things he hates, the things, it's getting to know him. It's not that idea that I can picture what he looks like, it's that actually I, I can see him because I can see what he loves. I can see what he's passionate about, I can see what he, he can't stand happening, I can see his character, I can see his strength, I can see his kindness and his love, I can see those things. That as we turn to the Bible, as we turn in worship, as we turn in prayer, that the Holy Spirit brings those things to the fore. That we just capture, I mean, sometimes can't even articulate it, but just capture the sense of like, that's what Jesus is, that's who he is, he has that, that's what he's about, and it may be in a picture form, it may be, which is why I said it's not necessarily wrong, it may be that there's just, Holy Spirit uses a, an account from the gospel where you see Jesus praying for the sick, and it's like, just something from that, just the image of that just captures something, it's like, man, that's our saviour, that's what Jesus looks like, that's who I'm going to see, that's who I'm going to fix my eyes upon, because it's, it's that, it's the intangible that, even if Jesus was physically present in this room right now, and I said to us this verse, and then we went, okay, but we see Jesus, and we turned to look at him physically, that would still not be what this is talking about. Because that would just be a physical, probably handsome man, who knows, okay? Um, but a physical man standing there. And it, obviously it would be phenomenal. But it wouldn't get us to the point that we, what, what we need to see. Because we need to see his character, which you can't see from looking at somebody. You need to see his heart, which again, you can't see. You need to see his passions, his likes and his dislikes, his kindness, his strength, all those things which don't exist in a physical view of somebody. It's something more than that. And that's what he's encouraging you to engage in a relationship with Jesus, to see him. That it becomes something that's normal every day, to have our eyes fixed on there and not caught with the wind and the waves and the chaos and the, and the turmoil of everything around us. Um, it's always nice to have a little funny story and I was thinking about this and I, I, I'm pretty sure it's God because it always makes me look a bit stupid these stories so we'll, we'll see um, I was thinking about this when I was preparing and I remember I, I'm not very good on boats I don't really like boats um, I'm, I've, the two times I've been on a actually no probably the two times I've been on a little fishing boat I've been sick both times um, on those boats um, put more into the sea than ever get out of the sea um, from that point of view um, <laughs> And the times I've been on ferries, always sick. It has to be enormous. Like the boat has to be absolutely enormous so I can't feel the motion. I hate being on the sea. Um, 
I love being in it though, and I absolutely adore it. I'd much, which is not good when you're going to look at Jesus walking on water, but I much prefer being in the water than on it. Um, love swimming, love being in there. And I remember when I was growing up, <laughs> I say growing up, I've probably done this recently as well, which doesn't look good either. Um, is I, I used to have this thing, and I, I'd love to believe it's some kind of spiritual thing. I'm not convinced it is, but it makes me look a little bit better if I talk about it from that point of view. But I used to do this thing every time I go to the beach where I used to love fighting the waves. And I really hope other people have done that. And if nobody else has done that, that's fine. I'll just look eccentric and weird. Um, but I used to love it. I used to love going out into the sea and just imagining that I was, I was fighting them. And as if I was stopping them somehow, which obviously clearly wasn't. They'd just go past me into the shore. Um, but just this idea of actually just, like, I used to kick and punch and dive into and all this kind of stuff. And the bigger the wave, the better. Like, the massive ones was, like, brilliant. I loved that. Little ones was, like, kind of, that's not a challenge. Um, yet they still won every time because they'd always go past me to the, to the where they were before. But... Um, I used to love it and I, I used to love when I got a bit more kind of um, spiritually aware the idea that actually I can make this look good now which it wasn't to start with because obviously the, the seas in the Bible are talked about as kind of like in, in kind of new heaven and new earth it's like there's no more sea because it's seen as the place where darkness was like I'm fighting that, that's what I'm doing I'm fighting the darkness that's what I'm doing I, I wasn't at all I was just being stupid and fighting the sea um, but fascinating thing about it as I was thinking through that daft story um, God kind of used it and he said that that's the problem in a weird kind of way that I am the problem clearly the, the, that, that analogy is the problem because that, that's what we want to do we want to fight the waves if we look at the story of, of Peter walking on water which we'll come to in a minute as this analogy of this stuff all around us that, that sometimes grabs our attention and pulls our focus that we want to fight the waves. We want to fight the system. We want to fight the, the impacts of climate change. We want to fight the injustice of exclusion. We want to fight all these things. And there's nothing wrong with that. But that's where our focus becomes. It's that I become focused on the fact that I need to stop that man becoming president. I need to stop that company doing what they do. I need to stop um, Brexit. I need to stop this. And, it, and it, whilst... Whilst I'm not saying that there's not some purpose in some of those things, the problem is that becomes our focus. And the Bible talks very clearly about the fact that's not what we're directed to see. Because if we use Peter walking on water, as soon as Peter focused in on the waves, he sank. I.e. became part of what he was focused on. Part of the problem, part, part of the challenge. But when he was looking at Jesus, he was above the, the waves. He was on the water. And... We often think that's a superiority thing, but I don't think it is. I think it's that actually when I see Jesus, I stay above the system that I'm trying to fight. When I focus on the waves and try and fight the waves, I become part of that very same system. That sometimes I can look like the most noble person in the world and I can be like, and I'm, please hear me, I'm not knocking it. I can be a climate activist and glue myself to a road and look like I'm trying to save the planet. But really, there's a challenge in the fact that actually, what am I changing the system? Am I just becoming part of the system with another viewpoint if that makes sense am i just am i just becoming part of the same thing because actually i'm I'm opposed to something i'm opposed to something that actually causes me to just become another side to the same thing and, it, and, it, and whilst i'm not saying it's wrong to do those things it's not what i am saying is that the the the, the challenge is am i fixated as i was um probably still on fighting the waves or am i fixed and have my gaze on Jesus without sounding like twee and just sit in a room and just imagine Jesus that's not what I mean but am I fixated on him or am I fixated on the 
the problems in the world because I could be fixated on the problems and be remembered as, a, as this great challenger to kind of social injustice but actually I've just created another thing that is not part of the kingdom of God that is not part of heaven that's not part of Jesus that's great and not bad but it's, it, it's not bringing heaven to earth because it's just bringing another kingdom another domain another, another rule that, that opposes another rule and therefore you just get, get this thing whereas Jesus is talking actually I want you to fix your eyes on me and it says in Hebrews I said Hebrews is all about this but Hebrews 12 we know it very well but it says that as we're running this race it, taught, it gives us the importance of fixing our eyes on Jesus why? Because he's the author and the finisher of our faith. That the start of our thing has to be based on, on fixing our eyes on him. And the end of it has to be based on fixing our eyes on him. That he is where we gauge with. He is where we focus in on. He is where we fix our eyes on. And as we do that, we will absolutely bring calm to the storms. We will absolutely address climate change. We will absolutely address political injustice. We will absolutely deal with social issues. Those things will change, but it's not because I'm focused on that thing that it will change. Because I'm focused on Jesus. I think Simon mentioned last week about focusing on Jesus and being a witness to him. To that idea that actually from that place I become a witness and that witness actually just changed stuff. Jesus clearly changed stuff. He empowered women in his time, phenomenally so. He, 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 he brought the the disadvantaged and the excluded in but he didn't do that by going I'm going to bring down Herod or I'm going to bring down the empire I'm going to bring he didn't he didn't do it like that he, he did it by bringing a peace and a hope and a love into a system that meant actually I can love the tax collector and love the one the tax collector has abused because I'm not there to fight for them nor am I there to empower them I'm there to bring kingdom of heaven which somehow manages to go both of you included as soon as i go and go i am anti-trump as soon as i do that i'll have support completely have support but i've created another kingdom that means he can never be involved because it's against him or as soon as i go i'm anti-brexit i create a kingdom that goes everyone that's that's pro-brexit can never be involved because i'm anti-brexit or as soon as i go i'm i i i I'm liberal, I'm conservative, I'm, I'm, I'm Labour, and that's who I am. Nothing wrong with voting at all. But as soon as I do that, I exclude anyone that can be. And that's the challenge, that when I fixate and I fight the waves, I become part of that same system. Peter focused on the waves, became part of the system. And it's, and it's subtle, and, and, and it's challenging, it's difficult, but, but he's asking us to fix our eyes on him. So we just want to go to Matthew 14 again. I want to just use, I've kind of touched on it already, but I want to just use it again as a kind of tool to help us see, I suppose. Matthew 14, we're going to go to verse 22. That we will, we will, and then I'm going to slightly contradict what I said last week, but we will change the world. We will, but we won't do it by going, I'm going to change the world. We will do it, which actually doesn't contradict what you say, we'll do it by fixing our eyes on Jesus. And therefore, the there is a subtle difference. There is a subtle a, a kind of thing that doesn't look any different when you're doing something, but the reason why it's ha- happening is completely different. Okay, so Matthew 14. I'm going to read it again. I'm going to start at verse 22. It says this, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the side, and while, while, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat that the disciples were in was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. 
But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous and he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat and the wind ceased, then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. So just jumping back to that bit. So verse 29. So Jesus said, Come. And when Peter had come out from the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when? But when? He saw that the wind was boisterous. When his eyes were fixed on the, on the boisterousness of the wave, when he was doing what I did, obviously he was doing exactly the same thing. When he was fighting the waves, he was afraid. And, he, and, and the interesting thing about this is that sometimes we can, there can be the most powerful and noble acts of social challenge and social change and, and, and kind of environmental change and political change, but they can be sourced in fear. And they can bring wonderful change about and absolutely life-changing things. And it's not wrong, but the, the problem is if it's sourced in fear, it establishes a different kingdom. It establishes an opposition to it. And, whereas, and, and Peter was filled with that fear because he saw the waves. That when my focus is the waves, what it's going to do is it's going to begin to foster fear on the inside of me. When my focus is, what on earth do I do in this world today? let alone the kind of monumental things that we see day to day that Lizzie talked about this morning or the stuff we hear about in schools or, or with our friends and our families or our neighbours or our workplaces or whatever it may be, all that kind of stuff, let alone all that, what do we do about this stuff that's kind of like happening all around us? What do we do about it all? And when we fix our eyes on those things, it's like the only response is going to be fear because the only response is going to be, I don't know what to do. And some people, when they get scared, we know some people fight. And therefore those people fight and they start to change stuff. And it's like, wow, they're changing the world. This is brilliant. It's amazing. And it is good. It's not wrong. But all it does is it sets up something that's another. That's another. This is another way of doing it. For want of a better expression, um, political parties set up because they're, they're, they're opposing another party. That's why they establish themselves. And that, that in itself is a crazy thought. That actually the whole political system is set up because actually I don't like what you're doing so I'll set up something new. And therefore we just get all these other sitting in this thing whereas Jesus never created other to, to the point that it killed him because he created such an inclusive thing that he didn't have a party for want of a better expression to back him he didn't align himself with the religious Pharisees political powerful ones he aligned himself but he didn't even just align himself with the poor and the needy he, he put himself right bang smack in the middle and went okay both absolutely both therefore when it came to die it was to, to some extent both because he, he didn't align himself and that's the challenge that, that we are putting ourselves right bang smack in the middle and going actually yeah you're absolutely what you're doing is brilliant it's fantastic I definitely would stand with you on that but at the same time I'm also going to stand with this, this person you look like you're opposing because actually they matter too and whilst what they're doing may not be good and whilst what they're doing may not be okay they matter too Think about Daniel, and in, 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 we know Daniel the lion's then, but Daniel worked with rulers and kings who he so strongly disagreed with policy and action and what they did in their political reign that it got him thrown in the lion's den. 
And yet there's an amazing line when, when I think it's King Darius comes to release him from the lion's den. The king says, has your God saved you? Daniel's response is, King, I hope you live forever. Hmm. That Daniel was so not about, I don't like what you're doing, Darius. You're just throwing me to lions to be killed. I don't agree with your policies. I'm not going to do what you asked me to do when it opposes my belief system. But I'm going to work in your government, for want of a better expression. And when you throw me to the lions, Dan, and they've not killed me, and you, and you come to check, I'm not going to say, right, now I'm going to get you back. I'm going to say, King, I hope you live forever. Because he just sets up this thing that the, the, the Jesus then did the same. It's like, actually, I'm not against anybody. I'm for them. I might not agree with what they do, and I'll oppose what they do, but I'm not against anybody. And it's that idea that when we focus on the waves, it causes us to be against something. Whereas Jesus is creating a system where actually I'm for the person, even if I disagree with the, what they're doing. That's gone off track with what I was going to say. Anyway. Um, but it's interesting because Peter didn't walk on water because he fought against the waves. It wasn't like, um, I'm stronger than the waves, I'm, I'm going to defeat the waves. That, that's not why he walked on water. He walked on water because he focused on, focused on Jesus. Yeah. That's why he walked on the water. And we're not going to walk on the water. We're, we're not going to be above the circumstances or above the, 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 these waves because we're stronger than the waves. Or because we're overcoming the waves. Or because, like me, you're fighting against the waves. That's not going to be why we do that. We're going to do that because we're focusing on Jesus. And our eyes are fixed on him. We're not going to win. I've put down this. We're not, we're not going to win against the darkness and the sea in this world because we give our all to fight it. We'll win because we see Jesus. We rise above those set of circumstances. And just like Jesus did, speak peace to the storm. And I would even suggest it's not even always about speaking peace. I think sometimes just being peace. The, G, the Jesus was a, above, not in a superiority, like a superior way. Like I'm above you, you have to submit to me. But Jesus was above in the sense that actually I'm not on anybody's side. I'm here, I'm going to bring peace to the storm. And that's why the storm ceased. And I believe that Peter was intended to do the same thing. And we can't say that from the account. It doesn't tell us that. But, but why not? Peter walked on water. He started to sink because he saw the waves. What if he didn't sink? What if he kept his eyes on Jesus? What if he walked to Jesus? What if, because Jesus says to him, why did you doubt? It's a rhetorical question. Why did you doubt, Peter? What was it that got in your head that made you doubt? What was it that that kind of caught your attention that made you start to sink? Because you're just doing this miraculous thing and you start to sink. So it's not because you suddenly think, I'm not meant to do this. It's because someone else has caught your eye. Someone else has caught your gaze and therefore you start to sink. And I I believe there's no reason why Peter couldn't have walked to Jesus. And then they'd be on the water together and Peter would be the one that goes, okay, be still. Why? Because he's not in the system. He's taken himself to where Jesus is. And he's brought peace to the storm. That we... We'll be able, we will be able to bring peace to political turmoil, not because we join the Conservative Party or because we don't, and not because we join the Labour Party or because we don't, not because of any of those things. We'll bring peace to that because we're like Jesus and we sit in that place where actually, yeah, I'm for you and I'm for you, and you might both hate me there for that now, and that's absolutely fine, but I'm going to bring peace to the storm, just like Jesus did. And, it, and, it, and, it, and it's this stunningly challenging place to be but actually Jesus saying I want you to be here with me he didn't say to Peter no you can't come on the wall Peter's only me that does that he invited him to come he said look yeah go on come 
come and be where I am because actually that's where you're meant to be. Come and join me here because I want to show you what it's like to be here. It has its challenges, it has its difficulties. The waves will try and take you down, but guess what? We're going to be peace and bring peace to the storm. And that, that, that's exactly where God is leading us. It's that place of going, okay, let's bring peace. Let's be peace to the storm. Be peace to the political storms. Be peace to the, the, the social storms. Be peace to the environmental storms. Be peace to the kind of community storms be peace to the kind of city-wise storms be, be peace to all those things because we sit where jesus sits and we go i'm gonna keep my eyes fixed on you and amongst all this chaos i'm gonna keep my eyes fixed on you now there's one really i want to say one thing because i'm going to look at this uh, the first practical step one to do with this that i think will be helpful for us because obviously this is very theoretical it's very abstract at the minute keep your eyes fixed on jesus i want to just make it very very tangible um but before we do that um I don't believe, and this is one of the things perhaps I struggle more than most people, I don't know, but this is not about, okay, I need to learn what it is, keep my eyes fixed on Jesus, and then I'll do all this other stuff. It's not like I'll be, I'll be the most perfect person at fixing my eyes, fix, keep my eyes fixed on Jesus, and then after 400 years of doing that, I'll then do this next stuff. It's not about the life of a disciple, the life of the followers of Jesus wasn't right. You've learned this, guys, and now... Now you've perfected that, I'm going to take you to the next step. That's not what Jesus did with his disciples. You see it in the life of Peter, perhaps more than most, that he had these points of like catching something and going, wow, I've got it. And then these points of literally the next moment crashing right down into kind of like, I really messed that up, didn't I? Okay. And, and sometimes I think maybe it's me, but maybe us in general, I think as Christians in general, we have this idea that actually I've got to get perfect at being secure in my relationship with God or I've got to get perfect to just keep my eyes fixed on Jesus not focus on the waves or I've got to get perfect especially when someone shares a message like this go right I need to now train myself to fix my eyes on Jesus and we spend so long doing that that it almost stops us from doing anything else and the point of this thing is beautiful because I, I believe that they weave together that it's like that, that as I um, I learned to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus and then I have a, a point where I need, there's a challenge or there's a difficulty and therefore in that difficulty and then learn to fix my eyes back on Jesus and, then it's, and sometimes we think the life that goes like this is a bad life actually no no I need to be like this the whole way through and actually I believe that in that process of life like Peter in that process of highs and then some difficulties it causes us to go back again and go okay right now yeah back on Jesus again and in that process coming back and fixing our eyes on Jesus it almost like weaves this picture together like on a tapestry and it weaves these things together of like oh high of success in that but then a failure in that and if I actually get my eyes back fixed on Jesus I'm not saying that we expect failure I'm not saying that we plan for failure as such but I'm saying that it will happen because life will happen and therefore as we do that it's like weaving this thing in and actually when you turn the tapestry over you start to say wow that's the picture you made of my life God that's amazing the back of it looks like a right mess but actually the front of it is beautiful and what you've done even when I can't see because all I see is the ups and downs and the backwards and forwards and all the kind of jiggy jaggy kind of crisscross of stuff but actually when you spin it around when my life is done and I look and go wow that did not look like what I did because you see that the whole way through scripture don't you You see the fact that Abraham did so many stunning things and yet lied on multiple occasions screwed up on many many different levels and yet when you look at his life almost turned around in, a, in Hebrews for one thing you see this life of someone actually that's amazing but, but Abraham would have seen his life on the other side and gone man that, that is a crazy mess of stuff like that but actually he in every stage in every step he'd be like okay yeah let's get my eyes back on Jesus let, 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 let's fix my eyes back there I took them off and I looked at the waves like Peter 
I looked at the way when I sang, but who was there? Jesus was there to put me back up again. And let's go again. Let's fix our eyes again. And let, let's go next step. And then when it turns around, we look at it and go, wow, that's a beautiful picture, God. How, how did you weave that together with my ups and downs and mistakes and lefts and right? And so for me, it's about a step-by-step process, about learning things that we can do to kind of help us along the way. And for me, the one, one of the first most practical steps to do with this is the battle in, in between our ears. It's the battle in our mind and our imagination. And I want to I pick on Peter because he was the one that walked on water. He was the one that sank. He was the one that stepped out boss, the one that failed. And I believe that, that in his writings, you, you see that reflected. So we're going to go there. Just go to 1 Peter. And it's 1 Peter 1, first of all. And I believe that, that you see him talk about the kind of pits and the pitfalls and the challenges and the, the ups and downs, but also the ways in which I believe he learnt to begin to manage this. You want a better expression? He learnt to walk on water. He learnt to walk where Jesus walked. He learnt to, to be this kind of... Uh, person that's like actually we saw this stuff but actually we see jesus and in 1 peter 1 verse 13 one of my favorite passages of scripture it says this therefore gird up the loins of your mind be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is revealed to you or that is brought to you at the revelation of jesus christ as obedient children not conforming yourself to the former lusts as in your ignorance but as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. I want to go backwards through this, okay? The idea of being holy is not that I don't drink alcohol or I don't swear. The idea of being holy is the idea that we're set apart, i.e. we live a life that, 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 that's like the life that Jesus lives. In a nutshell, that, that, that's what he's talking about. So Peter here is talking about the fact that actually... We can live this life like Jesus lived. It's almost going, actually, guys, I did. There's points in my past where I lived this life like Jesus did. I walked on the water. I did this stuff. And he's, he's talking almost in that sense. And he says that, that our conduct, the way we conduct ourselves, the way we live, can, can mirror the way that he lived. And then he goes back into verse 14. And it's like, we're not conformed to the formula, says our It's not conformed to doing the things that we used to do. The, the kind of temptation we have of looking at the waves. The temptation we had of looking at these things, that things. Look at the circumstances. But he's saying, actually, we're not conformed to that. Because what are we doing? In verse 13, it says, we're girding up the loins of our mind. We're being sober. We rest our hope. And this is the key bit. Fully upon the grace that is brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The what the what's he saying here? The the loins of our mind, the kind of um, things that we think about, the things that we imagine. Your loins, without pointing, I did that once in a youth gathering. I pointed at my loins, which is a wonderful moment. Um, the loins of your mind are obviously the reproductive, the, the the creative parts of your mind, just imagination. So Peter's saying here, look, one of the ways I've learned to walk on water one of the ways I've learned to walk like Jesus walks to, 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 to live where Jesus lives in his conduct is I've learned to gird up the loins of my mind I've learned to gird up the, 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 the creative imaginative parts of my mind to, to bring those crazy imaginative parts not under control so they're not imaginative anymore but they're, so they're fixed on and it says here so they're fixed on the grace that's brought to me at the revelation of Jesus Christ I've learned to fix my mind on the things I see of Jesus I've learned to fix my mind on, on the character that I see of Jesus when I, when I pray, when I worship. I've learned to fix my mind on that thing I've just caught there. To remind myself of that thing. To focus in on that thing. 
to kind of not just let my mind wander to wherever it wants to wander anymore, but I've learned to bring it back and go, actually, I'm going to imagine and think about and use that and chew over that and think over that stuff instead. And he's talking about, look, this is what I've learned. I've learned that when I sank on the water, when I sank into that sea, it's because my mind shifted to the waves. My mind shifted to those things of before. But actually, I've learned, actually, if I keep my eyes fixed on him, if I keep my mind, my imagination, the, the kind of creative, the kind of wonderful part of my mind with chewing over the things that I see of him, it'll start me to be able to walk on that water. And it'll help me to kind of walk like he walks on this earth and to be like he is on this earth. And it's amazing because then he also goes into 1 Peter 5. You just want to go there. And he says in 1 Peter 5, and I just think it's beautiful because I think you just see a man here who's, who's, who's messed up and who's succeeded, who's kind of had his highs and his lows. And he's just almost talking about, this is how I did it. This is how I've learned. Through all those times, this is what I've learned in terms of how to walk like he walks. And it says in... To, 1 Peter 5 verse 5 it says this or partway down it says God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time casting all your care upon him for he cares for you be sober be vigilant because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour I'm going to stop there there's lots more we're going to but, I'm sorry, but the, this idea again of being devoured by, by the by the enemy in the same way that he was devoured or he was drowned by the ocean. Mm. That it's this idea of actually, look guys, I've been in that place. I've been in that place where I feel overwhelmed, where I feel like I'm drowning, where I feel like I'm being devoured, where, where shame and guilt and condemnation are flooding in on me, where these things are happening to me. But actually, I want to show you what you do. And he goes, because I want you to cast your care, those things that you're worried about, those, those things you catch a glimpse of on that wave or the, the kind of circumstances you're focusing on. I want you to get that care, not because you're not going to be bothered anymore, but I want you to take that anxiety that worry, that care. I want you to give it over to your father. I want you to cast it onto him. I want you to take those things that are chewing over on the inside of your mind. I want you to get it. I want you just to pass it onto him. And the key with this is that, that Peter had seen a father who was willing to take it. And that's the most important part that, that he'd caught a glimpse of this Jesus willing to go, actually, I'll take that worry for you. I'll take that anxiety for you. I'll take that thing that's filling your mind. I'll take it and I'll take care of it. And then you can fill your mind with those things which are good and true and kind and loving. Those things that you see in the character of Jesus. Those things that you see in the way that he demonstrates. Because both of these accounts in Peter, for me, both of these accounts talk about this idea of things being replaced. That he's talking about, he's got this way of thinking that actually he has almost got got these two different things he can fix his mind on i can fix my mind on on who jesus is i can fix my eyes on jesus or i can fix my mind on the worries and the anxieties and the circumstances and the waves and all that kind of stuff it's like how do i find the balance between those two things he's talking about the fact okay if one way gird up the loins of your mind start 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 to be in control to it but the second way he's saying look, actually i want you to the, the stuff you're worried about the stuff you capture a glimpse of i want you to take that i want you to cast it onto your father so then your mind is free to be filled with what you see of jesus to be filled with the character the love the kindness the grace of jesus and i, I remember god really helping me with this and still helping me with this today but but the idea he, he gave me a really beautiful analogy of, of treating i think i've talked about it before but treating your mind like a dog and the dogs instinctively naturally want to chew stuff and it's not a wrong thing in the same way that our minds instinctively naturally want to chew over things to be creative to be imaginative to think through things and, it, and it's wrong Peter's not talking about saying don't be imaginative don't think over things don't chew over things but he's saying that in the same way a dog naturally wants to chew stuff the key then is not stopping the dog chewing 
The key is making the dog chew what you're okay with it chewing to replace what you're not okay with it chewing. In the same way, the key is not making our minds not think like Buddhism, just emptying your mind. That's not the key. That's not the way it's done. The key is actually, okay, my mind is made, designed that way. It's designed to analyze and to think and to chew over and to, to kind of imagine and, and to be creative and to think on those things. I'm not going to stop it doing that, but I'm going to replace it with the things I'm happy for it to chew on versus the things I'm not happy for it to chew on. I'm going to give the dog a bone because I'm happy with it chewing on that. I'm not okay with it chewing on slippers or the sofa or newspaper, whatever it may be. I'm happy with my mind chewing on the character and the goodness and the kindness and the grace of Jesus. I'm not happy with it chewing on the worry and the anxiety and the circumstances I see every day. I'm not okay with that. I'm not happy with the waves making me sink there but I am, I am happy with seeing Jesus and walking on those waves and it's that choice then it's that idea of actually what am I giving my mind to chew on because if I don't replace the thought if I just say to the dog right I want you just to chew on a bone now I don't want you to chew on any of these other things I want you just to chew on a bone but I don't give it a bone it's not going to chew on a bone if I say to a mind right mine I want Wanting to not think about all these terrible things anymore, wanting to not focus on those things anymore, but I don't give it something different to replace it with, I don't give it something else, then I'm just going to constantly keep thinking about those things. The old analogy of the idea that actually, if I was to ask you to stop right now thinking about a banana, if I was to say to you, stop thinking of it, don't, at any, under any circumstances whatsoever, think about a yellow banana. Okay, just make sure from this day forward you don't ever think about a banana ever again under any circumstances whatsoever. Okay, if you do, there'll be big, big problems about thinking about a banana. Okay, it's never going to happen, is it? Because all I'm doing is I'm reinforcing the fact you've got to think about a banana, okay? And that's exactly the same thing, and yet, yet we think our mind is different. If I say to my mind, like, don't, don't think about all this other stuff. Don't get worried or anxious about all this other stuff. All I'm going to do is get myself more worried and anxious about all this other stuff. But when I replace it, and I, like a dog, when I take away the newspaper but give it a bone, the dog is doing what it does naturally. But I'm starting to think about, okay, I need to give my mind stuff to think about. I need to spend time spend time reading my Bible to let, let, let the Holy Spirit illuminate stuff to give me something to think about. Or spend time in worship to kind of give, let the, kind of, kind of the Holy Spirit illuminate some, a line in a song that just gives me something else to think about. Or in prayer, or in discussion, or in a podcast, or in a book, or whatever it may be, but gives the Holy Spirit that stuff to be able to illuminate that I can then start to think on that. And I can start to remind myself of those things. I start to chew over those things during the day. And when I find myself tempted to kind of go back to this one, I find that the dog's going, actually, I don't want to chew that anymore, I want to chew this. So I can just bring it back again and go, actually, remember this. Remember this. Remember this. Because it's about that, that, that process. And the, and the biggest thing, I think I've circled three times on my page here, is time. Because time is the thing that, that I think in our current age, we, we think we can do everything we want to do without time being a factor. I think if you, you look at most things, most people, and I, I, in school it's so, so relevant, so, so relevant, you see people think, actually, you know, I can be successful in my exams without investing any time into it. And it's just not true. Those kids who think, actually, you know, I can just get through. They don't have to do anything, turns out I'll just be successful in the end. Or, or, or the people think, actually, I can be a really good parent without giving any time to my kids because I can just be a good parent. 
it, it sounds daft, or I can be a really good friend without giving any time to that friend. Or I can be a really good whatever without giving any time to that thing. And, it, and because we live in a world where everything's like this all the time, we think actually, it's created this idea that actually I can do it without time investment. And I really believe that that's something that, that we need to come back at and go, okay, actually I need to give time. The, the, there is no way I leave today and go, well, that, that was a really good message that I taught and I don't give any time to it ever again. Well, there's no way I can leave today going, actually, I just need to treat my mind like a dog, but I'm not going to give any time to getting a bone. I'm just going to treat my mind like a dog. Because it just won't happen. But actually, if I give time to it, time to read, time to study, time to worship, time to pray, time to listen, time to talk, time to do all those things, actual time, then what's going to start to happen is that that bone is going to become so so tasty, so appealing, so attractive that the slipper is not. The, the, the bone becomes such an appealing option for our mind that actually I don't want to chew the slipper anymore. And actually, when I look at the slipper, it doesn't even look like anything anymore. It's insignificant compared to the bone because the bone's getting bigger and bigger in my thinking. It's getting larger and larger because I've given time to develop it, to, to focus on it, to, to kind of realise the amazingness of it. And therefore, it starts to captivate my thought even more that I'm actually not even having to try now to make my mind go to the bone. My mind is naturally going to the bone. The dog is naturally going this way now because it knows that's not fulfilling. That's not nice anymore. But it doesn't happen just because. It happens because we give time to cause this to be seen and to be wonderful and to be big and to be juicy and to be tasty and all that kind of stuff. In the same way that as I give my time to reading my Bible, give my time to, to studying it out, give my time to spend time in worship and building a relationship with Jesus and therefore I'm causing myself to see him more and more and therefore realise actually this is beautiful, this is amazing, this is wonderful and actually becomes a more instinctive and more natural thing to do but it takes time. And I suppose that, in a weird kind of way, is practical step number one. It's that time. That time to begin to train our minds and teach our minds and treat them like a dog. And actually, I'm going to give you this. But it's going to take time for you to instinctively want to go for that when you've been spending so long going for that. That I need to help you to realise that is much better. Much better than a slipper. Much better than a newspaper. Much better than whatever else it might be. That's much better. But it's going to take time for me to realize, to lead you that way. Because we're so instinctively focused on the wave. We're so instinctively focused on the circumstances. And fighting that and wanting to deal with those things. That it's hard then to go, actually, I'm going to f- focus in on Jesus. I'm going to look at him and let him be the one I capture. Give time to let him be the one that I see. That then I'm suddenly above the waves. I'm walking on the waves. And that thing I used to fight, I'm now just bringing peace to it that thing I used to fight I'm now, now, now just bringing calm to it and I'm bringing hope to it and other people might not like me they might think well you've, you've neglected something but actually I've just brought peace to that thing think about Jesus' life and the amount of times that people accused him of neglecting something it's amazing to look through. I, I did it a little bit, but just thinking it through, thinking the amount of times that, that, that somebody at different points criticised him for forgetting to do something that they thought was important. Whether it's one of his disciples and rebuking him for not providing for something or not going a certain way, or whether, whether it's the Pharisees for rebuking him for not upholding the law and the, and the, and the commandments that they saw, or whether it's even the poor for a moment like with Zacchaeus where they, they criticise him for going to his house. Why? Because Jesus wasn't 
uncaring about those things, but he was at a point where he's going, actually, no, I'm here above the storm, and actually I'm going to bring peace to the whole lot of it. I'm going to bring calm to the whole lot of it. And you might think I'm neglecting him right now. I'm not neglecting. I'm actually taking myself away from the fight of the, the wave to bring myself above it so that I can bring calm to it. And that, I believe, is what God is leading us to right now. And, and, and lead, leading us into that encouragement and challenge to kind of say, give time. Time to make the bone attractive. Time to, to give our gaze to Jesus. Time to focus on those things and see what starts to happen. See that, as I said last week, we start to witness, be, be witnesses of Jesus and bring change in ways we never thought possible. Because we're not to fight it, but we're actually just being it in those places. I'm going to stop there. But Holy Spirit, I just ask you, this week that you help us to give our time to you that it's so easy to get sucked into the latest series on netflix or get sucked into kind of just the the social media or get get sucked into just the needs and the tasks of the week and the day but i just ask the holy spirit you would help us to just set aside time to set aside that those 30 minutes just to give our time and our attention to you just to focus in on you and just to spend some time in worship together, to spend some time in, our, in, in the Bible just reading, to spend some time just listening, to spend some time just talking, that we would just begin to engage and focus in on you, that we'd fix our eyes on you, the author and finisher of our faith, that we'd fix our eyes on you so we begin to walk on water, we fix our eyes on you so that we begin to rise above, that we fix our eyes on you so that we begin to treat our mind like a dog and that bone becomes so attractive to it. In Jesus' name. Amen.